good morning, church. My name is Nate, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this morning, we are going to pick up where we left off last week. If you were with us last Sunday, we started in our journey through the book of Ruth. And I was, I was just blown away at how uh, God is sovereign and in control. As months ago, we decided that we were going to be in this season studying this book and this love story that God has written and included in his word that's a part of a bigger love story. And so this this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off. And if you were with us last week, you saw that really the author kind of set the scene for us that um, that we are in a, a point in God's story where God's people are experiencing political and economic hardship. And in the midst of this tough season, we get a glimpse of one family's response to the hard and trying times that they find themselves in as they really seek to gain and seize control and say, you know what, we're going to go and pursue a better life. We're going to leave God's people. We're going to leave God's promised land in pursuit of something else. And so they pick up and they leave to Moab, a forbidden land, a place where they're not supposed to be And things just go from bad to worse as we see 10 years of tragedy hit this story as our characters are experiencing suffering, loss, death, uh, judgment from God. And the story last week kind of ended in this hopeless and hard place where we are left with the question, what is our response to brokenness? And as we've heard already this morning, stories of hardship, story of, uh, stories of suffering and pain, and yet God is present in the broken. And God is in the business of taking broken things and making them beautiful through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so this is a snapshot of that. And this morning we are going to pick up and look at how do our characters, how does Naomi, kind of our main character at this point, respond to the brokenness as she has endured 10 years of suffering and tragedy. She has lost her husband. She has lost her sons. She has not had grandchildren. And now she finds herself left alone with no one but her two daughters-in-law. And that's where our story picks up. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Ruth chapter 1. We're going to make our way through the rest of the story this morning, the rest of Ruth chapter 1 as we look at our response to brokenness. And so in your Bibles, in Ruth 1, picking up in verse 6, we are going to get kind of, again, a a summary of the problem that we see in this story um, and and, and how Ruth is going to respond. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. And so here at the onset, our author is giving us that the problem is Naomi is still in a tough situation, a tough circumstance that she's lost her husband, she's lost her sons, she doesn't have any grandchildren, she's now in charge of her family, and she has to do something. And so after the time of mourning, she gets up. And again, we're seeing this pattern right now where in Naomi's family, they just want to seize control 
of the situation. And so she goes out into the fields and she's gathering food. She's trying to provide for herself and for Orpah and for Ruth. And as she's working, she begins to hear that God is doing something back home in Bethlehem. That he is at work, that the Lord, it said, the text says, has visited his people and given them food. That word visited is, is realistically, it's, it's maybe better translated that he had provided aid or rescue to his people. And so God is present back home and active and doing stuff. And while she's toiling and laboring and trying to figure out how to make ends meet in Moab, she hears that God is up to something. And so Naomi is very much in a tough circumstance right now because God is at work and she is far from him. And so that, that problem is now going to lead to a process as we're responding to the brokenness of our world where she has tough choices to make. In verse 7, it starts out, she has a tough, what is she going to do? She says, so... She set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law. They went on their way to return to the land of Judah. The first tough choice that she has to make here is, is she going to go back home or is she going to stay put? She's grown comfortable in Moab. She's spent 10 years. Yes, they've been hard and pain-filled, and she's experienced loss and suffering, but the humility of going back home without a husband, without her sons, without any grandchildren. This is going to be very tough for her to decide, yes, I want to be back where God is. Uh, God is blessing in Bethlehem. I have to return there. I have to go to him. And she makes the decision. She makes the tough choice. We're going. If God is blessing, we're going back. And she starts traveling. Her, Ruth, and Orpah, they're making their journey. They're making their way back towards Bethlehem. And then all of a sudden, Naomi kind of has this light bulb moment where she realizes there's another tough choice that needs to be made. It says, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Naomi is on this road back home, back to Bethlehem, where God is moving and blessing, and there's food. Bethlehem is starting to reopen. There's a resurgence of of God doing things, as is the period that we find ourselves in, in Judges. And now she has to make a tough choice. What am I supposed to do with these Moabite women? We looked last week as her sons had taken what God had said was not, um, was not a good decision, was not in line with his law and his will. They took Moabite wives and then her sons pass away and she's left with these Moabite women and they're making their way back to Bethlehem. And she realizes when they get to Bethlehem, they're not going to be able to find relationships. They're not going to be able to be protected for. They're not going to be provided for. These are foreign Moabite women who are going to be ostracized and rejected by society. And as she comes to that realization, she selflessly and sacrificially says, go back home. I love you. I'm for you. But you should return to your house. 
You should go back. If you come with me, there's nothing for you in Bethlehem. And she lays down the only family she has left, the only people that understand the hurt, the pain, the sacrifice that she has experienced, the brokenness that she has walked through. These are the two women who get it. And she's willing to let them go. And look at how she lets them go. And this is where maybe the English language is tough because it just doesn't do the Hebrew language justice. It says in verse 8, may the Lord deal kindly with you. If you underline or highlight in your Bibles, I would encourage you to circle, highlight, make a note of that word kindly. In the Hebrew, that is the Hebrew word hesed. And it is this theological concept of all of the goodness, the faithfulness, the generosity, the rich, loving relationship that God has towards his people. That is what she is praying over Ruth and over Orpah. That God would have said that he would pour out his generosity, his faithfulness, his love, his kindness, his goodness. And I love that even here in the Old Testament, we get this beautiful picture of God's heart for the nations. As Naomi has come to love Ruth and Orpah, and she wants Yahweh, the good, covenant, faithful God of Israel, to pour out his love and generosity on these foreign Moabite women who have become her family. She's making a tough choice to lay down her family, her will, her community for what's best for them. She wants them to go find rest. She wants them to go find husbands, to have a better life than what awaits them in Bethlehem. And we see the response now as Orpah and Ruth are faced with a tough choice and they weep the end of verse 9, it says that she kissed them. They lift up the, lifted up their voices and they wept. This is deeply emotional. This is so heartbreaking. They have become such a tight-knit family that have experienced so much brokenness that the idea of not having each other produces much sorrow and grief and pain. And now Ruth, our, Ruth and Orpah are going to respond saying, We're not going anywhere. In verse 10, they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. They make the tough choice of saying, I don't care. I'm staying with you. I can't imagine not being with you. We're going with you and to your people. We're not going to abandon you. We're not going to forsake you. We're not going to leave you behind. And Naomi is going to be faced with yet again another tough choice in this process of dealing with the brokenness, of responding to the brokenness of life. And she's going to make an argument for why Ruth and Orpah should return to Moab. And the argument is well thought out. It's very logical. And really, it makes a ton of sense. Verse 11 through 14, she says, Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake 
that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Naomi makes this very logical argument that for them to follow her, has she has nothing to offer them. That she's too old to get married. And even if she got married, she's too old to have kids. And even if she had kids, would they be willing to wait for those kids to be the appropriate age for them to get married? And it's, it's very logical that the answer then, she says, is no. No. And for you to follow me, Naomi says, would break my heart. It would be exceedingly bitter to me for your sake, that because Yahweh, the good, faithful, covenant name of God, that's what she proclaims here, the good and faithful God of Israel, he's been bitter, he's been harsh, he's, he's come against me. And we see here this tension in Naomi of God is good and God is sovereign, even in the brokenness, even in the hardship, and for them to follow her, would result in continued pain and suffering and hopelessness for them. And she loves them too much for that. So she makes the tough choice and a logical argument to say, go, go back to Moab. Says they lifted up their voices and wept again. They're not afraid to feel their feelings. And it's so emotional. It's so raw and so real that they cry and they hug and they hold each other. And then it says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. We see now these, these, these young Moabite wives make two different responses. Orpah kisses Naomi and heads back to Moab. And she's pretty much done in our story. She leaves, she takes the advice, she takes and believes the argument, and she heads back to her home country, her home gods, her comfortable spot. But Ruth, the author says, clung to Naomi. That word clung is the same word that Moses uses, is, uses in Genesis 2 to talk about how a husband would cling to his wife when they would get married. That the a husband is called to leave his mother and father and cling to his bride. That is the same word that, that the author uses here, that this is a deep, personal, intimate, close-knit, tight relationship. And Ruth makes the very tough choice of saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here. But Naomi's not done. She's going to push and persist and press in one more time. She says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, Return after your sister-in-law. She tries one more time. Would you just please go? I believe Naomi loves Ruth and wants the best for her and doesn't see the possibility of a good life in Bethlehem. And so she's trying to get her and persuade her to go back home. And Ruth now is going to, we're finally going to hear from the one whose the book is named after. She's finally going to talk. And it's probably the most famous speech in Ruth, probably one of the more famous speeches in the Old Testament, and it's very well known. You've probably heard it at weddings, which I think is interesting, and we'll see why here in a second. Um, but this beautiful speech as Ruth has made her choice. She's made her decision. She says, Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you 
or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. We often hear this at weddings where husbands and wives or brides and grooms will say this to each other, which when you think about the context of this passage is really kind of interesting because it would be more appropriate in a wedding setting for the bride to push pause on the ceremony, turn to her mother-in-law and say, you're my people. Where you go, I go. I will follow you. I will love you. Your gods will be my, your God will be my God. Where you die, that's where I'm going to die. To her, that's what Ruth is doing. She's saying this to her mother-in-law. Let's let that sink in for a minute. But it is a unbelievable demonstration of commitment and faith and love for Naomi. She's saying, I'm going to go with you wherever you go. Wherever you stay, I'm going to stay. Your people, they're now my people. I am laying down all of my former life. Your God, she uses the, the name Elohim here, a reverence and a respect, but it's not a personal name. She's acknowledging that Elohim is going to be, the Jewish God is now going to be my God. And she says, where you die, I will die. In this time, in this thought, in their philosophy and understanding of the afterlife, it was believed that where you were buried, it impacted the life to come, your your afterlife. And so Ruth here is making not just a commitment for this life, but for the life to come. She's saying, I'm going to give up this life and my future afterlife Because that's how much I care about you, Naomi. You don't bring anything to the table. I understand that. But I am faithfully committed to you. I love you. And then we see that as she has made this choice to surrender everything for her relationship with Naomi, God's gotten a hold of her. Because she's gone from calling God Elohim to now saying, May the Lord... That is the good, faithful, covenant name, personal name, Yahweh. Ruth's life has been changed. She has had everything altered as a result of this decision, this commitment, and this example of love, this example of laying your life down is unbelievable. But if we could step outside of Ruth for just a second, and as we're caught up in this story, and yes, this is an inspiring demonstration of love and faithfulness from Ruth. Let us look back at the greatest of love stories that God has written and understand that we in this story, we're the Naomi's. We bring nothing to the table Naomi has said, I can't do anything for you. And Ruth says, I'm going to fall. I'm going to be there for you. Your people are my people. She makes this unbelievable declaration of love and commitment. 
And we can fast forward and look at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and say, Jesus, you are the better Ruth. That if we can look at Ruth and be inspired, we can look to Jesus and be transformed because Jesus doesn't stand in our corner. He takes away our sin. We offer him nothing. And in return, Jesus comes into our story and he says, I'm going to be your God and I'm going to make you my people. I'm going to die the death you should have died. And I'm going to bring you into the life that I want you to live because Jesus is in the business of taking the broken and making it beautiful. And so in the midst of this story, we can pause and marvel at Jesus, the far better Ruth. As beautiful as this loving picture is that Ruth paints, Jesus paints a much more beautiful picture. And Jesus comes in and says, you can offer nothing but I'm going to rescue, I'm going to redeem and pull you out because I'm the better Ruth. That should leave us captivated with our Christ, with our Savior. As we jump back in to the story of Ruth, we see that this loving demonstration from Ruth leaves Naomi silent, speechless, In verse 18, it says, When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. She doesn't know how to respond to the love and commitment that she was just shown by Ruth. And so they continue on their way to Bethlehem in silence. And in verse 19, we see that as they've been processing the tough choices that they've had to make, and they've been, they've been walking and making their way to Bethlehem, we're now going to get to a point where we see the promise of God and that God is at work underneath all of this, creating a tough character and a tough resolve in both Naomi and in Ruth. And so we see in verse 19, they get to Bethlehem. They come into town And the whole town, it says in verse 19, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She's made the tough choice to return home. And I believe her fears are coming true. Her concerns are being realized. As she enters in, she left with a husband. She left with sons. And she left abandoning God's people and God's God's community in search of, of control and the hope of more money and a better life somewhere else in a forbidden land, Moab. And now she's coming back with no husband. She's coming back with no sons, no grandsons, and just this one Moabite follower daughter-in-law. And it causes a scene. Bethlehem's not that big of a town. And people take notice at her return. And they start to talk about her. Rather than entering into her hurt, into her brokenness, they talk about her. And somebody must have come up and started a conversation and been asking her, Naomi, what's going on? Somebody says, is, is this Naomi? Is this pleasant? And here we see the tough character of Naomi that years of hurt And years of pain and brokenness 
has produced. But in the midst of the brokenness, if we dig a little deeper, we're going to see the beautiful work of God's hand in her life. As she lashes out, she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. I'm no longer pleasant. I'm bitter. I'm bitter for the almighty has dealt bitterly with me. We need to pause and take note again. The names of God are significant in this passage. And here she doesn't use a name. She uses a title. This is the Almighty. This is in Hebrew, the word Shaddai. This is the creator, the sustainer, the sovereign, all-powerful God. And she proclaims that the Almighty, the great and powerful God, has dealt bitterly with me. What I want us to see here is that she acknowledges in the midst of her pain and her suffering and her brokenness, God is great. He is almighty. Yes, her life has been hard, and yes, she's suffering, but she says, the almighty, the great Shaddai, God, he's the one in control. He's the one at work. She said, I went away full. We see that her perspective has changed, that they left thinking there's better for us in Moab. And now as she's coming back, she realized life wasn't about money in the bank or food on the table. It was about those relationships that she has lost, that she has mourned not being with God's people. She has mourned losing her husband. She has mourned losing her sons. And now she's suffering the humility of returning empty-handed. Her perspective has shifted. She was blessed before. And so she says, I went away full and the Lord, the good, faithful covenant name of God, Yahweh, brought me back empty. And here's where the Lord's really been working on my mind and heart in this passage over the last day or so. She's standing here in the midst of people And remember what just happened. Ruth made this unbelievable profession and commitment of, I'm not leaving. I love you. I'm for you. I'm not going anywhere. Ruth is standing right next to her. And she says, I've got nothing left. In the midst of her pain, in the midst of her brokenness, as they come back into town, Ruth has to be standing right there. She's never been in this town before. She doesn't know the surroundings. And Naomi in this tirade says, I'm completely empty. I have nothing left. How do you think Ruth feels in this moment? How how would Ruth respond hearing this woman that she has just committed forever to? saying, I've got nothing. My fear, my concern in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of hard and suffering suffering times, that we would be just like Naomi is here. If Jesus is the far better Ruth, we see Jesus doesn't leave us. He promises to never forsake us. He promises to send his spirit to be our helper, helper in our times of trouble, to be our, to be our comforter, that he always has us, that nothing can separate us from him. 
that he works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And yet we, like Naomi, can be guilty of being so focused on our pain and our brokenness that we forget that the far better Ruth is standing right there with us. We're never empty. Naomi is not empty in this moment. She has Ruth. And Ruth, just to give you a snapshot of where this, there is hope and promise and beauty coming through Ruth's story. But Naomi is so focused on the pain that she forgets the promise that's standing right next to her. And as I've been sitting in this passage far too often, I am guilty of being Naomi and forgetting that I'm not alone in my hardship, in my brokenness. I don't have to go through it alone. Jesus is there with me every step of the way. He's gone before me. He's coming back and he's present in our times of struggle and trial. He is both almighty and Yahweh. He is great and he is good. And that's the promise that we see lying underneath the surface here in this emotional outburst from Naomi. She says, why call me Naomi when Yahweh, the good, faithful God, has testified against me and Shaddai, the great, powerful God, has brought calamity upon me. The promise here that we see in this tough character, this tough resolve of Naomi, is that God is both great and good. And in the midst of her brokenness, she is wrestling with that tension. That how can a good God allow bad things and hard things to happen? And how, why would a great God allow the kind of suffering? It feels like he's against me. And what I want you to notice here is God doesn't condemn her for this outburst. God can handle our doubts. He can handle our outbreaks, our outcries. He can handle our frustration. She takes and she brings it to the Lord. She's saying, the Almighty and the Yahweh, the great and the good, it feels like you're against me. And we don't see her struck down. We don't see her smited. We don't see her scorned. Some of us, I feel like, in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our brokenness, maybe we need to have a real conversation with the Lord and just be raw and unfiltered with our great and our good God. And we need to remember, much like right now Naomi needs to remember, we are not alone. We're not empty. That there is promise and there is hope in this story. And that is where our story ends, is with hope and this glimmer of light in the midst of darkness as Naomi is so focused on the hard and the hurting we see verse 22 says that they return Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite her daughter-in-law with her returned from the country of Moab they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest this is the first harvest of the season Remember last week, Bethlehem literally means house of bread. There's bread in the storehouse again. God's economy is rebounding. And these women find themselves at the right place at the right time. 
and God is beginning to work and has been at work, but we see how he's going to begin to provide and protect and take the broken things and make them beautiful. And so this morning, my hope and my prayer is that for those of us who have been walking as Naomi's, forgetting in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our brokenness, that Jesus has our back, that he is our ever-present help in times of trouble, that we would remember, that we would turn and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because if we can be inspired by Ruth, we will be transformed by Jesus, the far better Ruth. And let us marvel as our great and good God uses the broken things to make them beautiful. That transforms our lives, that inspires our worship, and it informs how we walk through and respond to our brokenness. Let's pray.